Welcome to Gaming Going Deeper, a podcast series by the Gaming's Brotherhood, where we talk about everything personal development, mental health, and sexuality. I am your host, Matt Lancedal. I'm an intuitive life and spiritual coach and empathic healer. I specialize in teaching people how to heal shame and trauma and embody their authentic self so they can enjoy more meaningful connections in their lives. My areas of expertise are working with highly sensitive people, empaths, and gay men to develop a stronger sense of self-worth. So today we're talking about the practice of empathy and being an empath, and we are joined by Dr. Michael R. Smith. Welcome, Michael. Good to have you here. Oh, it's so good to be here, Matt. (laughs) Good to be here with all the listeners, too. We're going to have a fun, exciting, and juicy conversation today. I fully agree. I love talking about this sort of stuff, and it's nice to find a fellow empath that's doing very similar work, I must Mm -hmm. add, Um, and it's going to be really cool to see what we create today. So I want to formally introduce you um, and, you know, just read your bio to the audience. So for nearly 20 years, Dr. Michael R. Smith's pioneering work to connect empaths and sensitives with their divine potential has reached millions. As a doctoral trained counselor, spiritual medium, and healing practitioner of Indigenous energy medicine, Michael's great joy is to serve as a spiritual guide for those at all levels of awakening. He has given presentations worldwide, been featured in documentary films, and on numerous mind-body healing summits, including the Shift Network. In addition to his annual Sedona Celebration spiritual retreat, he offers online intuition development classes, private mentoring, and the Empath Sanctuary community. He lives in Flagstaff, Arizona, where he enjoys hot yoga and talking to the mountains and trees. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I also can communicate with trees. It's amazing. And I live right by the Rocky Mountains. So there's nothing better. They're the most peaceful creatures oh. on the entire planet. <laughs> they were a large uh, part of my embodiment. I've, I've struggled most of my life with being very cerebral and can't get mm. out of my head. And just holding a tree and connecting with a tree just grounds me right into my body. It's the yes. most profound experience. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we need that as empaths. That's what, because we have a tendency to overthink. And we'll talk about this more about uh, later on. But trees are one of the best ways to quiet the mind. Yes. Yes, exactly. So we're going to be talking a bit about both. We're going to be talking a bit about uh, empathy, um, people that have em- have high empathy and then bleeding that into being an empath, which they are different things, but there is similarities there that we'll be able to differentiate. Um, so some of the things we're going to be talking about is what is empathy? What does it mean to be an empath? Um, why is empathy important in our world? Um, challenges of having high empathy or being an empath and the benefits of high empathy and being an empath. And we're going to just briefly touch on the science of empathy and what that looks like as far as like the neuroscience. Um, And then if we have time, this is a, we got a lot of stuff to cover. We're going to talk about uh, what is it like being an empath in relationships and what is it like to have sex as an empath? Those two honestly could be a whole episode of their own. So we'll see how far we get, but um, yeah. So um, why don't we start with empathy? And I figured what we could do is maybe just each kind of define what it means to us and mm. and go from there. So what would you say um, empathy means to you? Empathy is the ability to literally uh, perceive and know and sense what another person is going through. It's different than sympathy. Sympathy is take is a mental process. Oh, I feel sorry for this person. They're in pain. I really don't know what they're going through, but I know they're in pain versus empathy I feel it in my heart. I sense it in my mind. I can feel and perceive and sense and know what another person going 
is going through directly. It's like a direct cording, a direct link to perceive someone else. That's how I see it. What about, yeah, what about yeah, you? totally. Do you th- I want to just ask you something. Do you think all people have empathy? Um, well, no. Um, <laughs> because if you look at someone who's like a psychopath yeah. or, you know, a sociopath or even a narcissist to some degree, they may, ha- a narcissist, psychopath would have none. A uh, narcissist might have a little bit, uh, but definitely not as much as there are certain individuals who are designed by the universe to have more empathy and certain individuals in my belief that are designed by the universe to have less empathy. And what we're talking about today is gay men and our inherent sensitivity and our inherent empathy. Yeah, I agree. Sorry, I have to, um, there we go. Um Yes, I fully agree. And I think that people that have high empathy are people that are here to um, improve the consciousness of humanity, right? And accelerate the consciousness of humanity. So um, do you think uh, empathy is something that can be developed? Um, Well, yes, it can. And I think that we are given a baseline for are where we're at low, medium, high, mm-hmm. just by the way that we're designed, just by the way that we've been configured by the universe. And yes, I think we, we can teach it. Uh, but I have a feeling that those that are listening today are not going to be the ones that need to um, be taught empathy. Uh, exactly. we, yeah. we need to learn how to uh, cope and manage successfully our empathy so that it doesn't drain or overwhelm us. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I kind of look at it like a nature nurture thing. I think we, um, we have obviously the neuroscience that shows that like empathy is, is, is an innate quality in most human beings. And then I think there's people that experience empathy, a lot of empathy in their upbringing, in their childhood, and they exhibit high qualities of empathy with others. And then if you look at, you know, you look at people that have, you know, high uh, traits of narcissism, they likely experience a lack of empathy displayed towards them in childhood, right? So I do think there's both components here. So I think, yeah, I agree with you. I think it can be developed, um, but I do think there's obviously a baseline that we have. So um, I wanted to share my definition. It's pretty much exactly yours. I just worded it a little differently, but the ability to understand and share in the emotional experience of another. I love that. Yeah, thank you. And I think- it's like understanding because we all share this kind of, you know, cord of being a human, right? And we all know what it's like to have human experience and suffering and these sorts of things. And, um, and, and then be, to be able to share in that with another, right? Mm-hmm. So I do see myself as I'm getting older, I have more empathy, because I have more lived experience to draw on to feel into the empathy of others. So, um, so even for myself, like, I've been highly empathic since I was a kid and like, I would cry when I would see someone suffering like that's, you know, and as as I'm getting older, it's getting even more intense, right? Which is like, I never even thought that was possible, but, um, (laughs) but I also have this, the tools now to deal with my high empathy. Right. So um, it doesn't feel as intense maybe as when I was a kid. So yeah. Okay. Uh, Anything else you want to say on that topic? What is empathy? Um, I, no, I mean, I would like to share a little bit more about what an empath is. That's where we're heading. Yeah. Okay. So what, take us away. <laughs> okay. So those of us that have been built, designed by the universe to be here on earth 
uh, have um, to, to be empaths have a lot of traits in common. Number one, we can sense and know what another person is going through. Mm-hmm. Um, for those listeners who might be wondering, you know, am I an empath? If you've ever walked into a room and you can sense just the general, like what what's going on in the room, like, okay, it's a little tense in here right now. Hmm, I don't know. You're likely an empath. Yeah. We can sense just through how we're built and the mirror neurons that we've been giving, the, the diffuse and porous aura that we've been given, we can sense what's going on with other people and even with groups too. Yeah. Um, if you've ever looked into someone's eyes who is struggling and you have maybe felt like an energy drain going on, you're likely an empath. Um, that can be a difficult one. Uh, it's easy when you're dealing with someone who's very high vibrational and happy and joyous in that moment. We love that kind of stuff because we can look into someone's eyes, no problem. Mm-hmm. But um, if, if you've ever had the experience of someone coming up to you and like just I, and saying something along these lines, I don't know why I'm sharing this with you, but I just feel comp- <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and then they proceed to sometimes even <clears throat> dump their deepest, darkest secrets on you, you're an empath because people feel safe around empaths and because we're designed to understand the other and, and they, the, the other, they can sense that uh, on a, on a very, on a level that is outside of conscious awareness. um, I think. And, and then, also, because of the fact that we're so in tune, we're so sensitive, we have what is called sensitive, sensitive, uh, sensitivity process. Wait, I'm totally screwing this up. <laughs> Sensory processing sensitivity. That can be a tongue twister. Yeah. Um, that is present in all empaths. And basically what that means is our nervous system is on alert and very open and receptive to all vibrations, to sadness, to anger, to happiness and joy. And that fact that we are designed, our nervous systems are designed to pull in energy and and feel it can be incredibly overwhelming. And that leads to a lot of challenges. Yeah, yeah. Man, yeah, I fully, everything that you said, full resonance there, I think, you know, it's, it, it's challenging being young, um, being a young empath and not knowing that you're an empath because you have that, like even in my family system, like my parents were, they struggled a lot and my mother um, would almost probably subconsciously draw on my energetic field, right? Because I believe that all empaths come into this life with big energy centers and yes. we, that's, we use those energy centers to transmute energy. And I think that's the thing I'll add on to your definition. Cause everything that you said, I'm in full resonance with, um, empaths have the ability to transmute. So the difference between high empathy, high empathy would be somebody can understand and share in the experience, which you, you then the empath takes it a couple steps further, which I look at as transmutation and healing. So we take energy and we recycle it and more so in the emotional domain. So empaths are really good at understanding emotion and transmuting emotion. So and if we look at the thing that's that's the density of why you know human consciousness isn't evolving it's unprocessed emotional experiences that are maybe trapped in the body in the psyche so 
I think we're extremely good at helping people release and process and transmute that density so their consciousness can elevate. So I think we're, we serve such a powerful purpose, like on this planet, like, um, and, but the, the key, and I love how in your bio, it was about empowerment. You want to empower um, empaths to be able to do the, their job, right? Because a lot of us come into this life with a lot of trauma because we are very sensitive and we're very porous and, it's extremely important. And this is my mission too. We have, we share this, we share a soul path, which is so beautiful um, to, to help empaths and sensitive people really come into their power so they can do what they're meant to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm, I'm honored and I'm, I feel really excited to be, to be talking about this with you today because I, I want to inspire other empaths to rise. Right. I love that. And I love what you just said, because, you know, the fact that we do elevate consciousness in other people, we do bring them up. Our job is to release, as you say, transmute, change it from a lower state to a higher consciousness state. That's not an easy gig. Yes. That is a very challenging role that for those of us that are empaths and sensitives have been on, put on this planet to do at a very auspicious time in human history. So I love what you said, um, you know, uh, about the importance of transmutation and then the question then becomes what do we need to do in order to release our challenges and let go of the things that hold us back to doing that in a way that keeps us healthy and sane so we don't feel like we're constantly overstimulated or overwhelmed yeah exactly and maybe we can st- like share a little bit of our own personal experience as a way to kind of like an anecdote for people to understand uh, are you open to to sharing so how old were you when you when you uh, realized you were an empath well um i it wasn't like until... and understood the terminology i should say like, yeah i, think I was know... i was about 30 uh, okay, when yeah. i when i first heard and understood the terminology and yet like you were talking about we don't get a manual as a kid so just like you I was very sensitive when I was a young child. And one of my early memories is being like seven years old and seeing to this day, I still remember this man's was the saddest human being I have ever felt in my life. And mm-hmm. I had to go in the other room. It was a big celebration and a big anniversary party for my grandparents. And my parents were wondering why the hell is Michael in no. the room crying while I was processing energy for this man who I still to this day can feel how sad he was, but that's what we're here to do. And now we're doing it in a way that we don't have to be overwhelmed in like in the moment that I was when, you know, when we were seven, when I was seven, we're doing it in a healthier way. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing that there's always some, some memories that stand out, you know? Um, Yeah. It's powerful. Um, Yeah. I remember when I would walk by like homeless people, when I was a kid, I would just have intense urges to cry. And, you know, it's, it, and I believe what that is, is we're literally taking on the energy that we're feeling in them and we're helping that that person cope with it. And I think it's really cool, but I, I, I'm not going to say all people on this planet have the ability to do that because I think, I think it is a select few that would be empathic, but I do think everybody has the ability to heal hearts and to to come into connection with each other so that's when we're we're talking about like high empathy right people who are exhibiting and just and you know displaying uh high empathy it's everybody has the ability to be able to connect with another human being and make them feel 
seen and heard and understood. And that is a powerful gift, right? That all human beings have for the most part with, you know, obviously the, um, the asterisks of the narcissistic people or, or, you know, people with you know, psychopathy, but, um, so yeah, it is powerful, but I, I, you know, I think about the, the pressure that I felt, you know, when I was young, um, to hide this part of me. And there was a lot of shame actually around this because I, I bought in hardcore to the, um, the owner's manual that was given to me by people that didn't know I was highly sensitive or empathic. And then I thought there was something wrong with me. So I went through this massive period in my life, like up, cause I realized I was an empath around 22, 23. Um, so all the way up to that point, I always thought there was something wrong with me and I was trying to fix myself. Um, I would have ticks. Um, when I was a kid, I thought I had like Tourette's syndrome. I, um, I would be in constant states of fear as a child. And like, I would get woken up from dreams and things like that. And I would try and communicate to my parents what was going on for me. And they had no clue how to support me through that. So I just remember a lot of my experience as a kid being a lot of fear. And then I learned to dissociate as a kid. And that was really harmful because that took me out of my gift. So a lot of my my adult life, you know, I would say from probably 26 onward has been me trying to reconnect to my gift because I was so dissociated. I wasn't feeling my emotions because everything was so intense for me. And I think just learning about the the trait of, well, of being an empath around 20, 22, 23, but then I learned about being highly sensitive and sensory processing sensitivity when I was um, 34. So only three years ago. And that was a game changer for me because I didn't realize that I, because I, I kind of see them as a little bit different. I see empathy, uh, being an empath as different as being highly sensitive because I do know some empaths that don't have any of the processing stuff, the sensory stuff. Um and it almost kind of feels like a bit of a double whammy when you have both because it's like, shit, like my nervous system is constantly uh, dysregulated by loud sounds, bright lights, these sorts of things. Um, but there's also the emotional reactivity of being highly sensitive too. And that was probably the hardest thing to to come back into because I wasn't feeling my emotions for years, a decade probably. So I had a lot of backlog of stuff I had to, to deal with before I could clear out and start to be able to do this empathic healing work from a place of empowerment, not like, fuck, it's draining me every time mm -hmm. that I'm empathing for, for somebody, right? What, you know, what's the hallmark of, of when we feel shame? Okay, so we, we're, we have two different things, dynamics going on here. We have, we're an empath. Uh, we are incredibly sensitive. We're deeply in touch with the universe, the world, other people's feelings, and we feel like an alien on the planet. <laughs> so we've got that going on. And then on top of that, we're gay men. Yeah. So we have the shame that comes from being, not only from being different from our extraordinary empathy and sensitivity, we have to deal with the shame of being different sexually yeah. as well. So we've got two big whammies that the universe have given yeah. us to figure out and what is the easiest way to figure that out to dissociate yeah and to go up and and uh, you know for me it was like just leaving my body and just playing in the which is empaths have this natural ability to just be very perceptive to like intu intuition and yeah. even psychic visions and communicating with other realms and consciousnesses and that was me for many years until yeah. i realized like that is fucking harming me. I can't do that. 
Yeah. And I need to be grounded in the earth. Thus, the reason why I love trees so much. It's the, for me, it's one of my favorite ways to just ground is just to be with a tree. Yeah. Um, and we have to be able to stay grounded in order that, in my words, don't we don't become cuckoo. <laughs> That's like, <laughs> had many, too many experiences of becoming cuckoo. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. I feel so seen right now. That's why I was giggling because I'm like, it's so true. Like I remember just even, you know, whenever I, especially when I go into social situations, actually, that's why I'm pretty highly introverted and I got to be really careful around um, social situations because I, I fly upward, right? It's almost like a way of coping with the intensity of what's going on around me. That was, that was more so my disempowered empath. I've come into a lot of really beautiful work in the last probably two, three years where I've been learning how to command my energy system. And I've been learning how to ask my, like through just simple commands. I never realized how powerful I am in being able to command my energy to do what I want it to do. And it's uh, it's amazing. And people always say, "Is it, it can't be that simple. And I'm like, it is. It really is that simple, but you have to keep practicing it. So I'll like say things like I command my energy system to stand down now. Right. When I go out in social situations, because before I'd be exactly like you said, porous. And I can't remember the other word you said of your auric field, porous and diffuse, diffuse. <laughs> right. Is And I would just be like open. And it's like I'll empath for anybody, even unconsciously. I don't even know I'm doing it. Yeah. Um, and then now I'm like, no, I want to be grounded. I want to be embodied in my body and I want to have fun too, right? Yes. And normally what I'd do is I'd go to a party and I would notice the, the one person that was socially anxious and not able to cope with their environment. And I'd walk up to them and I'd start talking to them and I'd make them feel, you know, and I'm like, okay, so then my whole experience gets inundated by this person's experience. And I get it. Like that's part of my, my compassion. I want it, but I'm like, I also want to enjoy the experience that I'm here to enjoy as well. So I've really learned how to set energetic boundaries and not take on other people's experiences too, because it's also a bit invasive because that person did not consent for me to empath for them, right? Maybe their soul needed that social anxiety and that experience so they could evolve but yet here I come in, you know, swooping in with my codependency issues, like, oh, I'll empath for you because I can't yeah. handle you feeling uncomfortable in my presence, right? Bingo. So I've, I've learned how to pull that back in. And I, I always ask for consent now for, for empathing. I'll be like, you know, I'm picking up on some stuff, you know, do you need a hug? Do you need support for it? And, and if people say yes, then I'm, I'll, I'll be supportive of that. But I try my best not to empath without people's consent. I love what you're saying. Yeah. Cause it's, it's, it, 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 we're, we're doing a master class here on what it takes in order to be an empath and be healthy empath. And one of the biggest um, you know, in the empath world, we talk about energy protection. How do I protect my energy so yeah. that I'm not fatigued or exhausted or overstimulated? Yeah. And the way that we do that is not through shielding and bubble meditations. There's a place for that. It's a temporarily yeah. effective way to, yeah. as you say, command, um, you know, energy <clears throat> and long-term, it's not a strategy because who wants to be in a state of defensiveness? Oh my gosh, the world is going to harm me because I'm so sensitive and I'm going to pick up on everyone's lower vibratory crap. No, yeah. <laughs> what we yeah. do is we need to uh, set boundaries, you know, exactly. as we're talking about here, the importance of setting boundaries. That's how we protect our energy. We need to stand up for ourselves as sensitive individuals and say, no, I am not going to empath for you. I am not going to, with my uh, consciousness, put the antenna of my consciousness on you unless 
you have permission. So thank you for for sharing that because it uh, it is an advanced empath skill yeah. to be able to say, no, I'm not going to be on right yeah. now. And by doing that, I know that's how I keep, I just stay out of it. That's how I protect my energy. Yeah. I used to do what you're doing. And I think a lot of empaths who are just now waking up to the fact that they're empaths or sensitive, it, it, they're, you may be recognizing yourself. Oh, I do that. I have a tendency to invade, as you say, you know, other people's or be invasive with other people's boundaries. No, because that's spiritually and energetically illegal. Yes, I agree. I agree. I, um, so I'm, I'm going into my 16th year of doing counseling coaching. And, um, the first 10 years were, well, I was, I was very cerebral in my work. I wasn't very heart centered because I had a lot of trauma I had to work through, but I, um, I also didn't understand energetic boundaries. I didn't understand how to properly do this. And I developed like compassion fatigue um, because I was too porous. And then um, just in the last probably four years, five years, I've, I've learned really potent strategies to help me um, do this. So in between all of my client sessions, I will cleanse my field. Um, I'll pull my energy back in and I use I use commands. Everything is commands for me. And I've really learned how to manipulate my own energy. So I'll say like, you know, I command my energy back to my body now, and I will literally feel all the cords being released and my energy coming back into my field. And then once I'm embodied back into my own energetic field, I will say, I allow what is meant for me and I release the rest. And the, the reason why I say I allow what is meant for me is because I used to just be like very protective and I'd be like, Ugh, get it all this energy away from me. But what I was doing is I was closing down my heart to all the love, all the appreciation, all the gratitude that people have for the work I'm doing. So now I let that in first, I let it fill my heart up and then I release what doesn't serve me, right? What's not meant for me. Did I pick up on some shame or some, um, some trauma that I don't need to carry in my field right now? I cleanse that out. And then I move into my next client session. And I do this with with everything. I do this with in dating after I have a date or I have sex with somebody. Um, I'm constantly doing this. This is that's the number one phrase that I repeat in my life. It's like I love ten, it. Probably 10 to 20 times a day I'm using that phrase. Yeah. And my, that's amazing because my I have a version of that that is the exact same, yours. but with yeah. a little bit different frame. What I do and I, what I teach in my programs for empaths is to just use the breath to do what you just said. So when I do this, I come into presence. Yeah. Uh, I bring myself back to my divinity. You didn't yeah. necessarily use this word, but I think that's what you were kind of referring to is you, you re in that breath that I just took, I released my human ego. I released everything that doesn't serve me. That's the intention of when I do that conscious breath. And it's super easy. It only takes what? 10 seconds, 20 seconds. In your case, five seconds. I command yeah. this release anything that doesn't serve and just let it go. And then yeah. we do that throughout the day. This isn't again, it's an advanced empath skill that is super easy to yes. work into our daily routine. It's all based on intention. 
And that's the power. That's the power. And, you know, it's really interesting because when I was very cerebral, I didn't have, I wasn't embodied and it's very hard to, because when you're embodied, we connect to a different energy. I think more of the feminine energy. And for me, that is the energy that's healing. It's the energy of intention. It's so that was really powerful for me to start to connect to the intention. And then once I set the intention, I feel a shift in my body. And then I know that, okay, this is working, right? I think it would work regardless, but I need to kind of have that feeling of, well, yes, my energy came back into my body. Here I am. I'm feeling embodied again. So I do think this, this work, when you say it's an advanced skill, I think it's advanced for me, at least because you have to have embodiment or presence as a, as a foundation for this work, right? So I'm always preaching in pretty much every single one of these episodes, you know, get embodied, start a, pra a practice of presence where you can come back into your body. And especially if you're an empath or a sensitive listening to this and your, your go-to is dissociation, right? That is a very, very stuck place to be because you're playing out a cycle of disidentifying with yourself on an energetic level, right? And we need that identification of our, with our energy in order to be able to work with it. I think it's key. Yes. And uh, I love what you said about, you know, preaching embodiment, uh, because it's what keeps us uh, balanced. And so mm -hmm. again, here's another example of just something that we can do real quick. All of the listeners, let's just go down, find a ball of light, uh, about two feet underneath your feet and just say hello to that ball of light and just keep your consciousness down there and then say thank you for grounding me and then breathe up one intentional breath to pull up the nourishment, strength, stability, groundedness from the earth. And then exhale gratitude back into that spot. What are you feeling when you do that? Mm, just like, it's just a nice exchange. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 And it, how, how long did, I mean, that took what, 20 seconds? Yeah. That's, exactly. you know, over and over. I, I do some version of that meditation in, in all of my events over and over and over because it's like building a muscle, you know, with your arms or your legs, you just, we just need to practice. Yeah. But it's really simple when it comes down to it. It's just all based on intention and visualization. Exactly. Yeah. It's powerful. Very powerful. I'm, I'm just kind of teaching in my work right now a lot about fear. Um, been meeting a lot of fear in my life recently, still moving through some some trauma from like a higher level of consciousness. Um, and it's powerful. I work with my chakras every morning and that's a lot of the work I do to get myself safe in my body. Um, because I from dissociating for so long, there's always going to be that kind of like feeling like when intense emotions come in or whatever, it's like, you're, I still kind of at times feel like a child, right? Like in coping with emotion, like it floods in and it's like, Oh, it hits you like a ton of bricks. So that fear is something I'm really learning how to be with and how to really affirm my body. And when I'm doing working with my chakras, I'm working with my nervous system, my physical body, but I think I'm working more with my, my etheric body or my energetic body, whatever you want to call it. And, um, and it's powerful. So I just use things like I am safe too. I am safe to belong. I am safe to feel the sphere in my body right now. And it's, it's really powerful. And again, it's all based on intention. It's based mm -hmm. on the intention that when I speak to myself from empowered states that I train my nervous system to also 
come along on the ride of empowerment, right? Yeah. A, a dialogue both ways <laughs> from our higher intelligence and to speaking of affirmations that come from the higher intelligence. I am safe. I do the same thing when I go out in the world sometimes, not all the time, but if I'm feeling something percolating in me that feels unsafe, mm -hmm. I acknowledge that. And it's our job as sensitives and empaths to speak loving words from our, we have those two personalities. We have the human personality, the ego, and then we have the higher intelligence part of all of us. Every single human being has that. And so it's just a dialogue and a communication, letting the lower human egoic part of ourselves know that I am safe. I am safe. I am safe. And it really does work. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's another challenge is the duality. <laughs> How do you, I, that's a question I, I would love for you to answer actually, because um, how do you, how do you deal with the duality of the ego and the soul? How do I deal with it? I become aware yeah. of it. Okay. I, yeah. I ask the question and I teach this in the, in my classes, who's speaking right now? Yeah. Meaning what, who am I aware of in this particular moment? Am I aware of my divinity? Yeah when my mind is quiet, or am I aware of my chattering, chit-chatty, loving to talk ego? Yeah. <laughs> and last night in yoga class, after the yoga class, I was again aware of both at the same time. I was super aware of my divinity and super aware of my human in that particular moment. And, and that's what we're all working towards. Honestly, I think every single human being is working towards this, not just empaths. It's just yeah. that empaths are, we're one step ahead of the rest of humanity. Mm -hmm. We're kind of trailblazers, quite honestly. And yeah. we're setting the, we're forging a path and showing people truly what energy is, what spirit is, and what higher intelligence <clears throat> is through becoming aware yes. of who is speaking at any given moment. Yeah. Yeah. There's an interesting phenomenon that happens in my business. Um, I I'm my, my Dharma, my soul path is to teach through my own experience. That's just what I do. So I teach with vulnerability. So I share the things I'm moving through and I share in that moment. So this is what I'm navigating. And an interesting phenomenon in my business is people don't resonate with my work. Like, strongly right away it either triggers the shit out of them or they don't relate to it they just can't grasp it and then what happens is like six months later people start connecting with the work that I created six months ago or even a year and that's I, I always say that I'm like I feel like I'm like six months to a year ahead of the rest of humanity um, because I'm, I'm I'm literally forging the path for people to you know enter the, the the tunnel of transformation that I'm, you know, either in or I've exited or whatever it might be. Um, so yeah, I, it's cool that you say that as well, because I, I fully believe that. Yeah. And yes. I don't, I also don't want to say people that are not high, you know, uh, empaths listening to this doesn't mean I'm not qualifying that as better or worse. I'm no. just saying this is my soul path. This is what I'm here for. Right. Um, wow. Yeah. 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 And, and that's a great question what is my soul path? What am I here for? That's the question that if you're listening to this episode, I invite you to ask yourself, what is my soul path? What am I here for? How can I embrace my gifts so that I can serve and fulfill and stay on my soul path successfully so that I'm not overwhelmed by it? Mm -hmm. Amen to that.
Amen to that. <clears throat> okay, where do we want to go from here? Do we want to, um, why is empathy important? We, I think we kind of touched on that. No, is we covered anything? that. Okay. Um, you know, I'm kind of, I'm going to let this go where I'm feeling like intuitively. I, w- I want to talk about the relationship dynamic of this. Yeah, I think it's important. It's so important. And I think a lot of gay men, a, a very preoccupation with most gay men is dating sex Mm -hmm. relationships and i think it's important to talk you know to this because a lot of the questions i get from gay men about being an empath that that when they're and they're an empath Mm -hmm. is they struggle so much with their relationships i struggle with my relationship i'm the first to admit they're hard because i can usually feel what the people i'm dating feel before they even feel it right and it's Mm -hmm. such a challenging thing to navigate and uh yeah. So what are your thoughts about that? I'm curious. What What's the first thing that comes to mind when we talk about? Well, I mean, it is challenging. I, I, I second what you say. I'm very aware. And even for me, uh, on a telepathic level, I can, I can, I'm clairaudient, meaning I can sense words and, and a lot of empaths are, have other extrasensory gifts yeah. in addition to just the five senses. We're very in tune with the energetic realm, the spiritual realm or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So that comes with its own set of challenges when, when we, we, we can literally feel and sense and, and know things uh, ahead of time and yeah. not doubting ourselves is one of the biggest challenges and affirming that, okay, I trust what I'm perceiving. I affirm that I'm perceiving this. And then the way, you know, navigating in relationships is, is difficult because how and when do we, is it our job? When is it our job? Is it our job to bring this type of thing to the surface for, for acknowledgement? How and when do we do that? That's, you know, that's an important issue. And then also, you know, in relationships, not, we need a lot of alone time. We need a lot of recharging. So finding the balance between self and other, and then the Mm -hmm. us in there too, finding that balance. Um, If our partner is not an empath, there is going to be problems and there's going to be challenges because I'm just (laughs) speaking for myself here. I got divorced two years ago because my partner was not an empath. And I was tired of trying to explain myself and I need someone who is going to know and receive me for who I am. And when I needed and declared lovingly that I need alone time, my partner would not honor that. Yeah. He had relationship and attachment trauma where he was abandoned. So he would come to me at the very moment, I need you, I need you, I need you, at the very moment that I needed to be left alone. And so that dynamic happens very common. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you just, there's so many things that you stimulated. I'm like, where do I go th- from this? But um, yeah, I relate. I, I've only dated one empath. I think I've dated eight men long in long-term relationship and one of them, and he was a somatic empath. And th- that's a, a d- big difference, right? Yep. So he was like a healer. He could like touch my body and figure out exactly what was going on with my body, which was dating a guy like that. Like, holy shit, it was amazing. And he's amazing. I love him. Um but I'm a, an intuitive and an emotional empath. Those and those are very different. So I'm like clairsentient. I feel things before they happen. I can feel into people's emotions. I can intuit, um, like that sort of thing. And so for me, it was really challenging, um, and it always has been challenging dating a, a non-empathic person because I struggled with um, boundaries. And it's funny that you say that because I am you and your your husband 
or your ex-husband, I should say, um, blended because I had a lot of attachment trauma in my childhood and I developed a disorganized attachment, but it would show up highly anxious with avoidant men. And I, I attracted a lot of avoidant men. And so I needed, I need a ton of alone time as an empath, like tons. And I didn't know how to take that alone time because I was terrified of space in a relationship. So I would go into these relationships and I would just allow the person to smother me. I would smother them. And I didn't have that, that separation. So I would lose my sense of self extremely quick in relationships. And I would get terrified because it was a self-abandoning and which I did in childhood as a way to cope. I abandoned myself to be there for my mother and her needs. So it's really powerful. Like I think boundaries is the, the, the biggest thing in order to be successful in relationships and learning how to come back home to your center and have a practice that allows you to do that. Um, so that's the first thing. And then I think the other thing for me was I, 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 I did authentic relating training and now I teach it. And I think it's one of the most powerful tools to heal shame. And I carried a lot of shame into my relationships um, from, you know, being gay and being empathic and not, you know, uh, feeling comfortable with these things. And I realized as a, if you're going to be a highly empathic person dating somebody who's not, then you have to be good at authentic relating and communicating because, and that was a downfall of most of my relationships is I felt shame to communicate what was going on for me because I'm like, these men are going to think I'm fucking wacko, right? Because they're yeah. like, how how can you communicate with spirits and angels and this sort of thing? Like, <laughs> you're out there, you know what I mean? And uh, so those two things, boundaries and authentic relating were just so key for me to find, you know, the security to be able to be functional in relationships. Yeah. Yeah. You're speaking to the, you know yourself now in a way that you didn't before. And yeah. that's what sometimes it takes a little bit of, you know, left, right, up, down, a little zigzaggy journey that we're all on here as humanity, uh, as humans, and especially empathic, empath, gay, gay men, right? I mean, that's a, yeah. that's in a, a, it's, it's a journey that is nonlinear. Yeah. And, uh, but it, and it sounds like you um, uh, have have worked yourself into a place where it feels like you're very aware and that's mm -hmm. everything i don't know about you but for me when i'm aware of my own human urges needs perceived needs that may not be actual needs when i'm aware of all that stuff my triggers my wounds then i mean then it becomes relatively seamless quite honestly yeah that's everything and that's what i'm feeling from you right now is just your own self-awareness yeah. and so i think that's the journey that we're all on including everyone who's listening right here right it's coming to the to know oneself yeah yeah i i you said it that so eloquently um yeah i always say like transformation uh 80 of transformation is awareness and then the 20% is kind of taking action on the awareness that we receive. And, but yes, it's just simply, you know, being with ourselves and we have to, I think we have to be willing to turn toward ourselves. And a lot of us as human beings suck at that because there's so many things to distract ourselves from ourselves in, in life. And we have to be willing to meet ourselves in all states. Right. And yeah. Welcome. Without alcohol or drugs or sex yes. or overthinking or all of the addictions. When you talk about distractions, that's where we have those are the primary challenges of empaths is are we going to work through our overstimulation or through awareness 
pure awareness. That's all we need. That's all the divine is asking from us. That's all higher intelligence is asking for us, not through human crutches, like, you know, getting high on cannabis or alcohol or whatever food for me, it's food or was I'm still working through my own (laughs) food issues. Comfort food is, has always been, and still is to some degree, one of my, um, the things that I'm setting the intention this year to be better at this year. And because I am a somatic, as you say, I call it physical empath, same thing. I have to be very, very like my body and takes a hit. um, Right. Sometimes from the, a a huge amount of energy that we process as empaths, especially if we're physical empaths. And if you're curious, um, I have a little quiz on my website. You can go find out what type of empath you are. Cool. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I'm almost, I feel kind of blessed that I'm not because I already have such a astute awareness of my body and it almost to a, to a fault. Like I feel the littlest thing in my body. If I have a little ache, like I feel it really intensely. And I feel like being a somatic empath would just annihilate me. I just don't, I don't think I'd be able to do it. So kudos to you. Thank you. Um, yeah. Um, there was something I was going to say, but it, it escaped me. Um, okay. Let's, let's, let's unpack the juicy one. What is it like to have sex as an empath? <laughs> mm, ding, 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 ding. ding, 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 ding. <laughs> well, it can be freaking amazing yeah. once we've worked through what we need to work through and let go and transmute and release what we need to work through. Yeah. Um, you know, we yearn as empaths for the emotional connection. That's the commonality among all empaths is we're all emotionally mm-hmm. attuned to another person. And so when totally. it comes to sex, that's what we crave. Mm-hmm. It's like, yes, we crave the actual sex act itself. We can, we can get horny. Right. And for me, just speaking for myself, I think a lot of the listeners will be able to relate to this. You know, when I go on Grindr or a dating app and um, I get horny and I'm looking for, you know, sex, I almost always, I mean, I can count on the, on two hands or uh, four hands, <laughs> the number of sex partners I've had in my life, 21. I counted it up the other day because it's wow. so rare. A lot of gay men do that in one year, <laughs> some in one month. But I mean, that's my entire 51 year life is like, right? I mean, that, and I think that's very, very common for empaths. And the reason for that, for me, I need emotional connection. Yeah. I need dialogue. I need conversation. I need to know that this person is going to be safe emotionally and energetically. And if, if, and if that's not, not there, it is not worth it for me to get courted because energy transfer Mm -hmm. with empaths is very, very real. Yeah. Yeah. In such a big way. I I define myself as a demisexual and that's another term that I only learned three years ago. And I wish I would have known that when I was younger, but I, I think I was always a demisexual, but because I was so dissociated, I was hypersexual. I was, you know, I, I, I wasn't honoring myself. And now, you know, I've had a lot of spiritual awakening and I now understand um, and, I'm, and I'm embodied. I understand my energetic self and my emotional self. And that is very governed by what, you know, demisexuality, which is arousal by emotional connection. So it's like the average uh, gay man is aroused by, you know, cocks and abs and these sorts of things. And obviously hearts and minds too. But I think for me, it's like my biggest sexual organ is my my brain and my heart, right? It's like I, I, I find zero um, 
joy in transactional sex. It doesn't do anything for me, so I don't do it, right? And, uh, you know, I, I think about all the times that I did do that and what my system was doing. And, and it's probably a good thing I wasn't connected to my system in, the, in, a, in a conscious way because I was picking up and having sex with people that, you know, I would deem as, you know, not very healthy and they're not doing their work and they're not, you know, they're, they bring a lot of trauma or shame or whatever into the sexual experience. And you're right. When you connect cord to somebody energetically, you're, you're picking up on that energy. And if we want to take it, even for people that don't necessarily believe in energy, if you're taking a guy's load, you're literally taking his DNA into your body, right? And it's doing its thing in your body. You now have a part of that person inside yes. your body. That is a big fucking deal, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot yeah. of people don't realize that because they might maybe don't look at it through the lens that, that we're looking at it right now. And, and again, I, I really don't want this to be like a shameful thing or for people to be like, oh, but for me as an empath, this is a very real thing that I experience. And, and I, I don't want that, right? So I got to be very selective with who I let into my field and into my body. Very selective, right? And, yeah. and, and as much, it's a question of what we want. And for me, I'm just speaking for myself. Yes, I want sex. I want the cock stimulation at times. Yeah. And, but what I need is not to have sex. I need my own time with myself and I need my own time until someone comes along who is a, vibra a vibrational match. Um, then uh, we don't have problems with absorbing or sponging the lower vibrational energy from another person yeah yeah you know i'm curious i have a i have a question for you because this is something that i've been navigating um because of being demisexual and highly empathic i almost find i don't have much of a libido or a sex drive as a solo person right i'm not governed by that so i don't really watch porn i barely masturbate on my own and uh but when i'm with somebody and i feel connected to them i have a very high sex drive and a very strong libido um, when there's connection there and i'm wondering if this is like do you think that is like normal for that to um be or maybe this is put possibly me having to come back into connection with my sexual self because i did go through a period where i almost shut my sexual self down as I did a lot of my deep spiritual work, because I found that they weren't, they weren't aligned. And I know sexual energy and spiritual energy are very, they're the same source, I think. But when I was, when I was fragmented, is where I had some disturbances. So I had to literally shut down my sexual self so I could do a lot of this deep spiritual work. And now it's like, I'm finding it hard for my sexual self to come back online and feel arousal and pleasure within my own experience, it's usually governed by the experience of somebody else coming into my field. I don't know. I think what, I mean, what is your gut telling you in answer to your own question? A little bit of both, right? So I, I, I feel like intuitively, I feel there's an element of yes, my probably my sacral chakra is a bit dormant and mm -hmm. that's coming back online now. And I've been doing a lot of deep work around that. Um, but there's also this part of me that's like, yeah, like, jerking off is okay but yeah it doesn't really do a lot for me but you know and i'm also more of a pleaser sexually too right so i like to have somebody else to please and do those things mm. with so yeah i think i'm really coming into learning more about my sexual self as mm -hmm. a fully embodied empath yeah. and and there you go 
that's the answer. I'm learning about myself. That's mm-hmm. there is no cut or dry answer to this because sexuality is so incredibly personal. It's yeah. so incredibly complex. Where do our urges come from? Where does the energy or the desire come from? Yeah. For me, just talking about my own perspective on this for myself, yeah. I know that because I'm energetically constructed with so much fire energy, that's the dominant energy in my astrological makeup and my elemental makeup. I just have a lot of fire and um, a lesser water. Yeah. And so for me, individuals who are, I mean, we're getting a little esoteric here, but if you're, if you know your, your full astrological chart, not just your sun sign, but if yeah. you're like an Aries or a Sagittarius or a Leo, which is part of my makeup, yeah. then <laughs> for, for me, like for those that know astrology, I've got six planets in the house of Leo. That's a lot. Six out of the nine. That's a lot. So I always have a lot of fire energy yeah for me that manifests in being horny all the time <laughs> that's so interesting yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> so we, it's different we, for everybody yeah we should match on the pattern so i have five signs in gemini so oh, i'm wow. extremely air and uh-huh. um and then i also have aquarius and libra in my signs as well so i've got a ton of, ton air, of dom- air. air dominance barely any fire uh-huh. and uh, and some earth as well so i'm like earth and, and air but I, we should match on the pattern because I'd love to be able to read your chart cool. and we'll see. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. That's a that's a side hobby of mine. I think maybe in my retirement I'll probably uh, go into doing like study more astrology and then do mm. readings for people because I'm just I just love it so it's, much. You're a Gemini. It's your yeah. you, your job is to figure out with your mind and your intellect to yeah. use that f- gift for the greater good. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I have four planets in Sagittarius, which is very similar to Gemini, which is where my intellectual stimulation comes from. Right. Yeah. And, and so, and air and fire are very similar. Yeah. Um, we stoke each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I'm interested to see what this, uh, this relationship gives birth to. So mm-hmm. I feel like this is just the beginning of some cool mm-hmm. things. So, um, okay. I want to touch on the science really quickly. I didn't do a ton of research on this. This is just basically what I know. You've already talked a bit about it. The mirror neurons, these come from the premotor cortex. So basically the mirror neurons are like, when we see somebody crying, we have more, you know, um, more stimulation or more secretion of these, these motor neurons and we can feel it. Right. So there is science behind this. That's, that's, that's backing up what high empathy looks like. And I don't know if there's a lot of science or like scientific literature that's done on being an empath. I think a lot of it is done on high empathy. Um, sensitivity. Uh, Dr. Sensitivity. Elaine Aaron is yeah. a pioneer of, I mean, she's the one who showed, uh, you know, back in the, what was it? The late eighties that, uh, approximately 20% consistently across the board of the human and the animal population are yeah. have SPS sensory processing sensitivity exactly. and are could yeah. therefore be considered highly sensitive. So there's yeah. that in terms of the science. And then when we have the mirror neurons that light up, when we, when we see someone who's uh, happy, yeah. uh, that part of the brain that contains our mirror neurons, basically those neurons fire. Yeah in whatever is in our environment, whatever we are exposed to, yeah. those mirror neurons will match. So it's, and, and consequently, if someone's sad, this is where the challenge comes in. If someone is sad or angry, then our mirror neurons also match that. So we have to be uh, very hyper aware, awareness, awareness, awareness. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, 
there's something there's kind of an interesting phenomenon that's happening right now since like Botox got introduced and lots of plastic surgery got introduced is that um, it doesn't pair people's mm-hmm. ability right when you have your face is filled with Botox and you're not having any facial expressions because yeah. as human beings we actually our mirror neurons fire off by facial expressions and little yeah. micro expressions on people's faces and actually this is interesting because in my in my counseling work that's where I get a lot of my data is I notice little micro like twitches or little expressions on people's faces, body uh, yeah. body language, and that's how I know what's going on. And then I can start to track and move um, their energy. So it's really, um, really powerful. The mirror neuroning is, is really beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I was just going to say that the Botox industry is, is trying to make it seem like, oh, this is a depression cure now. This is their latest uh, BS Blah. that, you know, get Barf. Botox and you'll, you won't feel sad. Well, you also won't feel happy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and where does that leave you? Yeah. Not human. No. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah. Uh, amen. Amen. Um, and just for the listeners, we I re- I recorded a, a a podcast episode with Dr. Chris Horan called um, the gay, the highly sensitive gay man. So that talks about everything you said about Dr. Elena, and we we unpacked all the science in there. And then the 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 episode um, demisexuality would also be mm-hmm. an official for empaths, I think, uh, to have that information. So, um, okay, we got about ten minutes left. Let's um, talk about any challenges of being an empath or benefits of being an empath. Let's kind of just unpack. Um, yeah, maybe why don't we each share a couple that we notice in our own lives of things that that might be. So we'll start with challenges. You want me to go first? Okay. Um, well, I think for my biggest challenge of being an empath so far has been that I the only way until I learned how to become an empowered empath, the only way I learned how to cope was through isolation. So I became a lone wolf. I didn't want to be around people. And it was basically just trauma responding to my gift. And so that's been my greatest challenge. So I've been having to learn how to come back into connection because uh, I, I, I'm i an ambivert. I have extroversion and introversion. And I, I actually really enjoy people and I like being around people, but they drain me. Uh, people can drain me quite quickly. So I would say the challenge is is having to learn how to um, have boundaries. And then obviously the greatest challenge of my life is healing codependency, which is basically a blanket term for saying I had to heal a lot of attachment trauma in my life. And that was one of my greatest challenges. That's the biggest transformation I've had to make yet in my life. And um, so, and then that was the work, the healing of the attachment trauma was a work that liberated me um, to being able to be around people more and in relationships. And I would say probably the other aspect of this would be my romantic relationships. Being highly empathic has been really hard because I feel dishonesty and I've dated a lot of men who have struggled just like I have, and they were dishonest. They betrayed me. They cheated on me. They lied. And I could feel it all. Right. And I, and then I almost gaslit myself and I started to doubt, like, am I actually picking up on something real here? Or is this the activation of my attachment trauma? So it was very confusing. And I felt very confused most of my life because of this. So those would probably be the biggest challenges for me. Yeah. And for me, I I can relate and resonating with pretty much everything you're saying. I, I, I'm not necessarily, I would not 
consider myself codependent. I never had that um, experience in my, but definitely the isolation, um, yeah. being the lone wolf for many, many years. Um, and, and I think to add on top of what you said, in addition to the challenges with the romantic relationships, I think one of our core wounds is feeling shame for just being different yeah. and we need to come to terms with that. So I know that was early on, especially when I was first going through my awakening in around 2003, 2005, um, really, really struggling over feeling different, not wanting to be on the planet. I was highly suicidal and I'm like, I got to get the hell off this planet. This is just not for me. And I think a lot of, you know, I imagine many of the listeners can relate to that on some level because we do, uh, we are different. And, and he, this is what I teach now though. We're here to be different, to be the unique expressions of the divine that, that we are and to use our voice to express our authenticity. And where does our authenticity comes from? It comes from higher intelligence. It comes from that force that we are connected to that is constantly talking to us at any yeah. given time. So the challenge is to recognize when we are in patterns of mental thought and egoic based thought that do not serve us. And then what's the beautiful thing when that happens, when we become aware of it, mm -hmm. we get to choose to listen and express, feel, sense, and know our higher self yes. and our higher intelligence. And that is a game changer. Once yeah. the higher self starts speaking to you and you become conscious of it, everyone who's listening, your entire existence will change and you will become, as you said, empowered or in my yeah. term is actualized, uh, yeah. right? Actual Self-actualization is a large part of just receiving the divinity that's within. Yeah. Yeah, I love question. what you said. Yeah, you know, I think the difference between a disempowered empath and an empowered empath is trusting, trusting oneself. And I had to clear out a lot of shit to get to that po point where I, I now prioritize every gut feeling. There's mm -hmm. not one gut feeling that passes through my nervous system that thank I'm you. like, oh, yeah, exactly. Thank you. Like, thank yeah. you for this data, because now I can act accordingly. Whereas before I would just bypass it and be like, oh, no, like, this is just my fear. This is just whatever. Just. And right exactly minimizing and, it yeah 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 um okay benefits <clears throat> of having high empathy or being an empath ecstasy. ecstasy truly yeah. because when we are when we were empowered and when we're actualized when we're receiving higher intelligence a higher self then I mean, I spend most of my days just being super grateful and to be existing where yeah. I couldn't say that 20 years ago. I love life. I love what I do. I'm engaged in my passion, my dharma, and it's amazing. So there's there's the ecstasy that comes. Um, and if you're not feeling that yet, you will, listeners. Um, just keep listening to the podcast and keep doing what you're doing. Commitment. If you're listening at this stage of the podcast, if you're still listening, you are committed yeah. and uh, there's no doubt. And so just keep doing that and you will, whether you feel it now or not is irrelevant because you will feel it at some point is your higher self is going to land in your consciousness. And when you live life from that place, you can, I like the words magic and miracles because yeah. every day for me, and this is not hyperbole. I literally every day, 
have multiple little mini miracles and, and, and a lot of little mini magic and sometimes over the top magic happens. So mm. that's, that's my personal experience. Of, yeah. I love being an empath. I wouldn't want it any other way. I love yeah. people. I love learning. I love knowing. And in, in, in the intellectual stimulation of like the conversation that we're having today is yeah. amazing. <laughs> yeah, I agree. What about you? Yeah. Um, geez, I would say there's so many. Um, connection to nature is one of them. Probably the, the biggest one for me because I can, like you said, you talk to trees. I feel, I feel, I would say rock, tree and river and mountain like those are kind of the, the the domains that i work with and um it's amazing because i always say i empath for people and mother nature empaths for me right so when i get out into nature i'm being empath so that's where i go and recharge and uh it's really powerful um i'm always in awe like nature is just it's it I, there's no words to even describe it i'm literally in awe when i'm in nature and i think it's because my i have heightened perception i have heightened sensory stuff and i can just feel i can smell i can sense the beings the creatures the life of nature around me and um so that's the beauty of sensitivity for me as i'm highly perceptive and attuned to my environment and um so that would be one of them connection like this do you know what i mean um when I, I, I can feel when I have strong resonance with somebody and I can feel when I don't. So when I move towards resonance, it's, it's one of the best things, best feelings ever. Right. Yeah. And I would say actually to go back to the challenges, one of my greatest challenges has been feeling misunderstood because if 20% of us are these are sensitive people on the planet, that means 80% aren't. So I'm not very understood by 80% of people. Right. But when I'm connected with somebody like you and you're my 20%, you're my soul fam, it's amazing. The connection is really beautiful. And then the other one would be probably anticipation um, or the intuitive aspect of things, because I can anticipate things before they come. Um, and I also have a very strong connection to um, the spirit world, right? So uh, that would be another thing is I'm, I'm constantly being guided and I'm, I'm getting uh, information downloads about the direction that I should be going because I think my soul path, like my ego is very resistant to my soul path. Um, my ego hates it. It doesn't really want to be vulnerable. doesn't want to, you know, collaborate all these sorts of things, but my soul is like in charge of my soul path. And so I'm constantly getting information from spirit being like, okay, you know, this is how you have to work with this and do this. And then that way I'm feeling guided. Um, which is beautiful because I almost feel like my spirit guides are like my, my parents, they, they have been guiding me throughout my life and telling me, you know, how to navigate certain challenges. And I've always felt like I've always have had somebody there for me, even in my darkest hour, it's like, I've have a connection to spirit and that's been my saving grace. So, um, yeah, we can, we can all take solace in that fact that we do have a force parents. I love that metaphor parent. Yeah. Well, I mean, some of us might not like that metaphor who, who had bad parents. I had great parents. So yeah. it works. It's a metaphor that works for me. And, and to know that somebody else is in charge that loves us. Yeah. And it is a beautiful thing. I love how you said that it touched me very deeply. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, any closing comments from you? Anything you want to share before we wrap up? Mm. If you're resonating, if you're listening and you're resonating to this conversation, take one action. Ask yourself, what is one small, non-overwhelming action that I can take today to declare to the universe that I am ready to embrace who I am? Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. That's where it's at. That's where we're, that's how we manifest is by taking these small little actions. So maybe go Google more about being an empath or Google more about whatever resonates for you. If if something that was said today sparked something in you, listen to that, honor it, and then follow up by taking a little action on that. Yes. Yeah. I like that. And I'll, I'll actually build on what you just said. And, you know, the word intention really stuck out to me from today. And I think, um, what, you know, I always say, what, um, what benefit do you get out of not believing versus what benefit do you get out of believing? Right. Um, so, okay. Not believing Well, the wool won't get pulled over my eyes. That's pretty much the only benefit. The benefit of believing is infinite possibility, right? So always move towards that. And my intention, all my intentions always start with, I welcome in, right? I welcome in more love. I welcome in more peace. I welcome in more ease and grace as I navigate my healing journey, whatever that might be. So play with intentions because they're very powerful. And the that's like us saying, yes, the intention comes from me. I'm giving birth to it, but then I give it over to the universe to show me how to act accordingly to make it come into fruition. And that I think is like the most powerful thing that has changed my life dramatically is just, you know, believing in the power of intention and letting it transform my life in, in magical ways. Magic. Yeah. Yes. It magic. does become magical. It is magic. Yeah. Okay. Well, I just got to say that you are extremely easy to talk to the flow in our conversation was really just, it felt like I was talking to a brother. So mm-hmm. yeah. I agree. Yeah. Thank you yeah. for showing up and just thank you here. for the invitation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel like we'll, we'll, we'll be creating more. So I look forward to that and uh, let's connect on the pattern. I really want to learn more about your chart and we'll, uh, okay. we'll hop on yes. a call and hang out and just shoot the shit. So nice. I'm a man, man, Jen, by the way, in human design, I just learned that the other day. I'm like, I need to know this because so many of my friends are asking me. Okay. So, and aren't you a generator? Yeah, I have that exactly. in my notes from last time. Yeah. 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 Generators move in, in cycles up, down, up, down. And that's, if you look at the way I work, my content, I like push out tons of content and then I go into dormancy Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then I, you know, cultivate whatever healing transformation ideas, inspiration. And then I come back out of dormancy and I push all my content out. And Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm very inconsistent in the way I work in the world, but it's, it's, that's how I have to be. It works. I accept how you're designed. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, for those of you who are watching on Facebook, um, please leave your questions and your comments. We would love to answer them and and know kind of how you receive this today. Uh, Would really appreciate that. And if you're uh, listening on your favorite podcast platform and you enjoyed what you hear today, give us a five-star rating and um, a review if possible, because we like to read them out in our, uh, in our trio meetings. So yeah, much love to everybody. Thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you at the next episode.